Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's January 21st, 2022. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. And I got to tell you, Chris, uh, things are going downhill pretty quickly here at uh, <laughs> Stately Long Manor. Why? What's going on? Uh, so, you know, last month I got my AARP card, right? I'm yes. Down. I'm still waiting for my damn trunk organizer that I don't have a trunk for, but uh, <laughs> I got a tracking number for it, though, so I can track it. Excellent. And then uh, yesterday, I picked up my first pair of bifocals. Oh, no. Yes. I'm Ben freaking Ben freaking Franklin. Franklin in the house. That's what I was going to say. So the weird thing is is that I've had these multifocal contact lenses for a couple of years now. Uh, never really warmed up to them, but, you know, it's the only way I can see stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And one of my eyes is so bad now that they, they can't even give me multifocal. So I've got one multifocal and one not. So. Oh. Reading the show notes, everything is like skewed. It's really weird. Um, but uh, but I didn't get the bifocal glasses last time because I'm like I'm not old enough for that. Well, then I'm like lifting my glasses up every time to like read the phone. Right. right. So I'm like, all right, give me the stupid bifocals, and uh, they're like, do you want the lines on them? I'm like, do I want to look like I'm 90? <laughs> And uh, so I wore them for the first time today. I went to pick them up yesterday, but I had my contacts in. So the lady's like, can you see? And I'm like, I can't see anything because I've got contacts and glasses on. I'll let you know tomorrow. So tomorrow, the, this morning was my first walk, uh, morning walk with the bifocals, and I cannot figure them out. I don't know how long it's going to take me to get used to them. But oh, no. Not only do I have bifocals, I don't even know how to use bifocals. That's how sad my life is now. Did they ask you if you wanted the little elastic connector to the earpieces to yes, go around yes. your head so you won't lose them? Um, well, I to the bungee that I have my players club card for the casino. So it all... <laughs> that that makes me nervous because uh, my cousin has the trifocal permanent lenses that got the operation, and they work perfectly. She said they work absolutely perfectly, and apparently it was in Europe for ten years, but they didn't approve it here until like only recently, like I mean, a couple of years ago, three years ago or something. And she loves them, and they work perfect. They has the distance, the medium, and the read up close up stuff, and I was like. Well, what about if you're laying down in bed and you have to look? And she's like, no. And she like she like laid down the couch for me to show me. She's like, nope, they all they still work exactly the way. And I'm like, that's fantastic. But if you're you're still getting used to using, I don't know. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous about because my eyes are if, at 48. I started to need cheaters, and it's so yeah. weird because I was in front of a computer screen, you know, my whole life basically since I was like six or seven or eight. And to finally need glasses was such a shock, you know, or cheaters, or whatever. And like, I'm wearing them right now so I can look at the screen and stuff and see what. But if you're if you're having trouble with them and you've worn contact lenses and glasses like your whole life, 
I'm nervous. I'm, I'm not, you're making me nervous here. I, I didn't. This is unexpected. I didn't know I was going to have anxiety just, on the show today. I just had to get used to my thing. That's what the eye doctor told me about the multi, multifocal contacts, and yeah, that's a big lie. I never got used to them, but I think I just got to get used to them. So you're I mean, making, we've been you're not, talking. You're not making show. me feel better, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping. To, I just I didn't want to go the cheater route because I just I like to travel light. Oh, you know, okay. I, I like to have my wallet, my keys, my phone. Those are the only three things I want ever. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to have to, like, throw in a – remember to take my cheaters, even though they got them in super small things now. But, uh, yeah. So yeah, they're a pain this, is my, this is my desperate last attempt to avoid Cheaterville. And I, and I always wear them, like, in my shirt collar, my cheaters. So, like, you know, I'm like Matthew McConaughey or something, you know, except yeah, they're cheaters. They're not sunglasses. And so every time people want to hug me, you know, because I'm huggable, you know. They're they're like uh, I don't want to break your glasses, and I'm like it's all right. Don't worry about the cheaters. You know they're cheap or a dollar or whatever. But uh, yeah, I want to get rid of them. I want the lenses, you know. But I'm, there's nothing wrong. My eyes aren't that bad that I need lenses, but I do need the cheaters, and it's annoying as hell. Yeah, that's a tough spot. My, I'm blind as bad, so I don't have that problem. We just lost half our audience, I think, when they found out well, how yeah. freaking old we, we are. Still got, we still got the 65 and older crowd. Like, this is fascinating. Yeah, they're doing the Arsenio Hall fist pump right now, you know? Mildred, let me put the show on for you. <laughs> Who was that lady that listened to our show just to go to sleep? Remember her? She's like from West Palm. Yes, yes. She's like, oh, I love you guys. You put me to sleep every night. I'm like, oh, dagger to the heart, you know? <laughs> All right, let's get on with some poker. All right, the nominees have been announced for this year's Global Poker Awards, which will be announced in February. And uh, while the media, including Annie Up, were back on the voting panel this Yay! year. Yay! At least I was, sorry. <laughs> uh, we'll choose the winners in most categories. Fans got their say in a few, including Personality of the Year. You can visit Global Poker Index's website to see all the nominees. And while van- fan voting has ended, it started and ended before we could even tell you oh, about geez. it. Oh, jeez. Uh, Poker News did ask its readers to vote in its own internal poll, and among the choices for Personality of the Year were Alan Kessler, Daniel Negreanu, Phil Hellmuth, Jamie Kerstetter, Nick Schulman, Mike Matisau, and Doug Polk. Wow. Who do you think going to win? Favorite here? I think it's going to be Negreanu again. He wins everything. Yeah, well, it's an interesting because it's Personality of the Year, and obviously, I mean, and this, again, just the Poker News is a short list, right? So it yeah. could be anybody because you could have entered any name you want. So, um, but, but it's a pretty solid short list, I think, um, from this year. So obviously, Negrano, as you mentioned, is, uh, is always a personality, and he hasn't slowed down this year. Alan Kessler, I think, has been a little bit more active this year, which is hard to, I mean, kind of funny to say because yeah. he's used to very active. Right, um, right. I think he he um, really inserted himself. And then if you go back to like the Alan Kessler, Mike Mattisau, who was going to have the first Twitter meltdown. So, I mean, right there, you already have people talking about. Exactly. Betting on whether you're going to have a Twitter meltdown. So that kind of makes you a personality <laughs> of the year. Uh, and then you got Doug Polk. And I don't know if this is the past year, but uh, obviously, I mean, um, uh, you know, he, he was leading that campaign to get the Las Vegas mayor ousted. You remember that? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I think that probably happened last year, two years ago. Everything runs together, but uh, but but he's been knee deep in these investigations of uh, wrongdoing and live streaming and stuff as well too. So you can make a case that he's a, a fresh face there. But and the, the Texas Poker Room too, right? Wasn't he part of the oh, right. Texas Poker Room? So he's he's everywhere. Uh, but I, I'm really going to have a hard time accepting anybody but Phil Hellmuth this year. And I know we're feeding the beast here, and uh, I've been quite critical that I, I just don't like the shit anymore. I never did, really, but I definitely don't now. 
and really crossing lines with the burning down the Rio and the stuff this year. But you can't deny that he has been the biggest personality, I think, this year. I, I guess anybody else got more talked about this year than Phil Hellmuth. I guess so. I agree with that. It, it, the, the, I guess the other thing is, like, what's your definition of personality? You know, is it just annoying or is it, you know, it, it depends, you know. I mean, Dan Abranu. Personality, right? I mean, some yeah. people have personalities and uh, some people are just annoying because of that, their personality. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 so my Instagram account got uh, um, not hacked, but uh, duplicated, spoofed, I guess they call it, right? Oh. Which is funny. I never use Instagram uh, other than just look at Lita Ford pictures. But um, <laughs> but the three or four uh, friends of mine that let me know, hey, I think you've been hacked. Uh, they were having conversations with Fake Scott. Wow! And they're like, "That's when we knew it wasn't you because the first one, the first one, because Fake Scott didn't have any personality." And I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that personality." Oh, it's like, yeah, I got a little suspect when he started talking about God, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you went to the God <laughs> thing right away? Like, you didn't even ask for the money first? <laughs> sucks." But. Uh, but yeah, so see, I mean, you either have personality or you don't. And apparently, I do, and my fake Scott Instagram profile does not. Wow. So, so yeah, so I know what you're saying, but I think uh, just being in a conversation of somebody that is a personality makes you a personality. I think. All right. So then, Helmy's going to win. Uh, I, I'm just saying, you know. Again, I don't like to feed the beast, and he may not win because people don't want to feed the beast anymore. But I, I just think. They're really of all these people, and a lot of these people got a lot of um, attention this year. I just don't think anybody on this list got as much attention as Phil Hellman. It's funny because remember back in the day when we were recording the show at the radio station, we had that ethical legal conversation where I was confusing what's allowed at the poker table and what's ethical at the poker table. It's very similar to this that people might confuse personality with popularity. True. Right? Yep. Because, I mean, the most popular poker player in the world would still be close race between Negranu and Helmuth. But I, I think that when it comes down to personality, it's just, it's, there's, there are subtle things that are different there. It's, his, it's the way he acts, not that a million people like the way he acts. Or it's the, the comments he makes, not how many people react to the comments he makes. So there, right. there's a subtle difference there. Yeah, but and let's go back to the fact that that we've said this time and time again on this show um, that we believe, or at least I believe, I think you do too, that he's cultivated this personality. Sure, right? absolutely. It's a show because when he's not on, on you know, in the limelight, I mean, by all accounts, he's a nice, normal guy, right? So, I mean, he's created this persona to further his, you know, popularity or personality, whatever you want to say. So, the fact that you're creating a persona is literally the same word as personality right? so, yeah <laughs> so uh you know i mean again you, you cannot like the guy for it and i don't like the guy for it but you can't deny that you know he knows how to create a persona and therefore i think shows that he has personality whether it's real or not so hence personality yes right yes, all right all right we'll see oh one thing i want to say about this though before we move on uh i'm very happy that our very good friend and wisconsin ambassador Chad yes. Holloway is up for the sports or, or poker reporter of the year or whatever. Um, and it's phenomenal. You know, it's four guys, all very popular, all very good at what they do. But our buddy is one of them, you know, bracelet winner, cruiser, and uh, any up uh, Wisconsin ambassador is up for this this huge award. So I, I, he's going to get to go to Vegas and enjoy himself, and uh, maybe he'll take down a victory. That'd be fantastic for him. 
Yeah, and they're very uh, tight-lipped on how the voting work. But what I will say is that what I like about it is that uh, the initial thing you were you were only allowed to nominate like one person you work with, and then in the final voting you weren't allowed to vote for anybody you work with, something like that. Right. They had some place. Now I don't know how they quantified that or make sure you didn't do it, but but I I, I played by the rules, so. I gave uh, Chad a little um, shout out in the first one, and obviously I couldn't in the second. One. Exactly, very good. See, always sure. take, always taking the legal and ethical road here at Annie. Yes, there we go. <laughs> All right. Speaking of poker news, it has posted an article uh, with the five American players to watch in 2022, and here they are: Chris uh, okay. Kine, England from Chicago, who entered 2021 with just twenty-one thousand dollars in, in career tournament winnings but ended it with just shy of 900000 including MSPT title. Uh, Ali Amsarovic, man, I've nailed that every week now. Man, two weeks in a row. Uh, who won 14 high roller events in 2021, eight more than anyone else. Man. Uh, Sean Perry, who won six high roller titles in 2021 and added $4 million to his career tournament winnings total. Brock Wilson, who was one of the hottest live players in 2019, just before the pandemic started. And Chad Evislage, ooh, who earned $2.3 million in tournament winnings in 2021, including a WPT title. Well, I've heard of most of these people, so that's interesting. That's um, always I find it funny that the American player to watch is named England. Yes. Uh, but uh, one thing I want to say is, are you impressed? Now, of course it's impressive that these the guys win these high roller events and stuff. But is it just like the old days when... I, the World I Series titles were like 20 people, and they're the only 20 who would take that money and do it. So you got a one in 20 shot of winning a high roller event. And, you know, I, or it's modern version of that. Yeah, I, I do think. too, right? I do too. And, so, and I will also say, I think there's a role, a place in our poker world for that. That, yeah, that we allow yeah. those people to play high rollers and we fet them for being high rollers, even though. You know, most player poker players are never going to be in a high roller event. So right, they, they because up there, and, it's a, it, and you know, go back to what was it, uh, Josh Aria? Actually, if you remember, you know, when he had his heater this summer or fall, I mean, when he became the player of the year, and he bowed out of the high roller at the end, and, and he made a you know a big, a very complimentary comment to the folks that you know the folks that 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 roll in the high roller atmosphere are a special breed and. He kind of made it sound like that wasn't him, and uh, so they absolutely yeah. are. They absolutely are. But the numbers are bloated because there's fewer people in those events. Sure. You know, Ali's not going to win 14 World Series bracelets, right? He's gonna, he might win one or two, but he's but not going to win 14. Quantify it. I mean, we we thought about this before too. So for me, that's that uh, that he won 14 of these. I mean, yeah, okay. So I mean, one. Well, just a bit. That's impressive, right? But, right. It's hard to win 14 of anything. To your point, it, it's it's not as impressive as it should be. What is impressive though is it's eight more than anybody else. Yes. So, yes. Right. Yep. So you know, if if you if we're doing the 50 yard dash, Chris, you know, no one's really impressed <laughs> that <laughs> two 50 year olds can actually run 50 yards, right? But if I win. 19 times and you only win once, then... Yeah, clearly you're the better runner. Yes, I'm a little more impressive than you are. And it's so funny, they say eight more than anyone else, and of course the next person is Sean Perry, who won six. So he's the, yes, exactly. he's the anyone else. He's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. I, and, okay, so, I mean, I, obviously this Ali Imsovrich is, is just, you know, 
lights out. Now, it'd be great to see the predictions that, uh, if you remember on last week's show, Poker News was predicting that he's going to win not only the World Series Player of the Year, repeat as Poker Go Turn Player of the Year, and then I forget what the other one was. But um, and, and we said that's going to be a tall order for any player, right? Right. So, uh, but the fact that he's at this high level, it, it, it'd be interesting to see if he can, if it can translate to normal people poker. I'm <laughs> actually... I was actually surprised that uh, that Chance Cornus guy wasn't on that list. That guy is yes. phenomenal, and he's even winning right now as we're speaking. Yeah, just won one uh, to, uh, just recently, right? Yeah, I, I'm surprised he's not one to watch in 2022 over some of these names. But uh, you know, I guess you got to give a lot of people ink. You can't just keep giving it to the, the five where he's winning or whatever. But I mean, Ailey's on that list, Brock's on that list, and this this guy's chance is phenomenal. So we'll see. We'll see if he ends up uh, having a great year. Yeah, so the one I'm most interested in, because again, we can go back to this personality argument, right? But uh, what, what makes an American player one of the five to watch, right? I mean, obviously, some of these are uh, most of them are just because they're on serious heaters right now. Um, but the kind of England, I mean, this is like for listeners of our show, I mean, this is the inspiration, right? Um, I mean, there are probably a, a number of our listeners that have $21,000 increment career tournament winnings. I mean, I need to go back and check mine. I might be close to that, Chris. Wow. That's over a million tournaments, right? So it's <laughs> but the fact that you're in that that um, that stratosphere and then by the end of the year, uh, you could win almost a million dollars, including a, a top title. That gives you hope. That's why we keep playing, right? That's why yep. we keep card room and why we keep listening to this tired podcast as long as it's on. Right, because right. you're just that you're going to have that one year like uh, kind of England had. So, so then the question becomes: Is that a, a blip, or is that actually a new baseline? Right. So, right. I remember that uh, you know after the year after Greg Raymer won the World Series, uh, then he followed it up by finishing like what in the top thirty or something next year. And I remember that that clip where I think it was Phil Hummings was like, "Hey, everybody in the poker world is watching you." Yeah, everybody yeah. thought he was a fluke, and yeah. then he came back. And showed that he wasn't. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if, if we're still talking about uh, kind of England next year. So you got me uh, curious. I, I go on my Hendon Mob account, and I have two caches, and my total earnings nine hundred and ninety nine dollars. What? Yep. What do you have on there? Yeah, because I don't play tournaments ever. Yeah. And then, like, a couple of them aren't on here. Like, I won a Raz title. That didn't put on here, and that was a pretty big tournament. And so it's like, why isn't that on here? So, so some of the things that I won or cashed in didn't make it. But I never played in tournaments that were, like, Hendon Mob on their, their you know, their, uh, what do you call it? Their radar. So yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. Although, if you go back, you type in the word Casenza. I'm the only Casenza on here that has his photo. It's the picture of me in the World <laughs> Series all serious with if I, Fausto took it in Vegas of me and that's there. So there's like two, let's see, there's four times. So there's 18 Casenzas on here. I'm the only Chris and I'm the only one with a photo. So <laughs> there you go. I go the, for you. A big ego. All um, right. So my uh, ATM is 17,224. There so. you go. So you got, you got it. You got to cash in an event, dude. You got to get and the 20 I'm, grand. 170,247 on the GPI list. So, Oh man, I, I got that beat. I'm 382,194th on the list. So I'm right there with Allie. I think, you know, a couple of good showings and him and I, we're going to be together, I think. Crazy, crazy shit right there. Oh, man. All right. We'll see what happens next year. Okay. 
All right, a, a man this week walking, uh, walked into Legends Poker Room in Houston with an AR-15 and announced he was robbing the place, but was tackled by one of the Poker Room security guards and su- subdued by him and some other players until police could arrive in the struggle. About a dozen shots were fired, but no one was hit by any of them. Holy cow. Crazy. So, you know, I didn't think we were ever going to mention Texas on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, every week. Except for every week now, right? So... I mean, literally, we're half-joking when we say it's the wild, wild west out there. But it's not now. I know. It's not. This guy walked in, not with a gun, but an AR-15. Last time I saw that, uh, Mr. T was using on the A-team. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, fortunately, I'm not trying to make fun of this because this is super serious, right? There's something really bad could have happened here. Um, but a dozen shots got fired? I'm like, so, all right. How does that I happen? I don't know whether we made the right decision here, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We shouldn't have tackled him. We should have let him rob the place. No, I, I'm saying in the, in the heat of the moment, I'm glad that that security guard was there and uh, made the thing. And I'm also glad that no one got hurt. Um, but a dozen shots being fired, that's pretty scary to me. It is scary. It's pretty scary to me. And uh, if I was sitting there and I bought in for 100 bucks, uh, I think I would rather give this guy a hundred bucks than take one in the chest. Yeah, yeah. To to take a risk of okay, we're gonna shoot twelve bullets. <laughs> Here's your, are you gonna get shot with one of them or are you gonna give me a hundred bucks? Yeah, I, I'll take the hundred bucks, please. Get, here exactly. you go. So I mean, but so I mean, I guess I mean it, it sounds like I'm I'm joking. I'm not. This is super serious to me. Um, I'm I'm really concerned about this. That uh, that you know these people think that they can just walk in and rob these places again because they don't probably don't think they're real casinos right and they don't have the same I I, I can't remember the last time somebody walked into a casino with an AR-15 right exactly right? It doesn't happen right because right. Uh, they know there's no chance of coming out of that situation right um, whereas a strip mall poker room eh, all right right. So, again, so, I mean, so now here are the list of things that Texas has to deal with now. Uh, worry about the government cracking down on you. Worry about the government uh, allowing casinos to put you out of business. Uh, um, worried about an owner stealing all the money. Sconcing with your money, right. Uh, worried about, you know, uh, the owner playing in games and collusion. And now, uh, guys with AR-15 and security guards that want to be a hero. Uh, ah, it's tough. It's tough out there, folks. It really is. So, it's a great, it's a great uh, industry out there. They're doing some great stuff. But uh, I, I, I don't know how you solve some of these problems. And this, uh, this is the same place where Sammy Farha threw some fists, right? Threw some hands. I believe that might have been. I yeah, it is it. It is it. I looked it up. It's, I was, I, was in, I was in the middle of the search. It wasn't searching, so I just said it out loud. But then it finally loaded and said, yeah, Sammy Farhar reportedly involved in physical fight at Legends. So that's where it was. So and I got to about Sammy Farhar starting a fight at your place, too. Apparently right down the road from Johnny Plant, Sean Chan's place. That yeah. went out of business. <laughs> yeah, they went out of business. Wow. And one of my friends is moving to Abilene soon, and I feel so bad for her. I'm like, Abilene is like in the middle of nothing. But that's now you right. get it. You know what I mean? Good luck with that. That'd uh. be better. So, I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to say we won't be talking about Texas next week, but uh, can't guarantee you that, Can't folks. guarantee that at all. Hey, any updates? Papes, the Annie Up fans' free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site, is available everywhere. Details on how to join can be found at bit.ly slash P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th of every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. 
Join the Antiamp Fans group Facebook page to get feedback on hands, ask call-the-floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage anti-up logo designs on merchandise at antiupmagazine.com slash shop. You can buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of anti-up magazine, anti-up poker cast, or anti-up poker tour logos. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email podcast at antiupmagazine.com or post in the Antiup Fans Facebook group. We have a new O'Malley's move. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a $2, $5, no limit hold'em casino cash game. The action is pretty wild in this one, with several players who are not afraid to triple barrel bluff. The game is deep stacked since you can match the biggest stack at the table when you buy in. As a result, the average stack is well over a thousand, with a few stacks over five thousand. This game has been going for hours. We bought in for two thousand and currently sit with three thousand. The blinds post, the under the gun folds, the plus one calls, the MP folds, and the hijack raises to twenty-five dollars. He's a pretty decent player who plays a reasonable range pre-flop, but gets himself into trouble after the flop and tries to buy his way out of bad situations. He started the hand with around 2400 The cutoff folds, and we're on the button with the Ace of Hearts, Queen of Clubs. If this had been a raise from earlier position, I'd probably fold here. Since it's from the hijack, I like a raise. I want to define this player's range, and if we get re-raised, we can easily fold and move on. We make it $75 to go. It's folded back around to the hijack, who calls relatively quickly. With around 150 in the pot, the flop is the ace of spades, ten of spades, seven of diamonds. The hijack checks, and we decide to make a bet. We put $100 into the pot. The hijack announces a raise and counts out a neat 300 Folding here would be exceptionally weak. We call. With 750 in the pot, the turn is the six of hearts. The hijack leads out, this time for 500. We call. There's now 1750 in the pot, and the river is the four of clubs. The hijack instantly shoves for his remaining 1500. So, if we call and win, it will be the biggest pot of our playing career. What's the move? It's time for the AdvancedPokerTraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Todd McGee is back this week, Chris. All right. And uh, he started out by saying, I can't risk having the best poker cast come to an end due to a lack of hands of the week. So here's one. <laughs> Keep it going. Way to go, buddy. Keep us going. Way to go right about that. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, so he's playing one, two, no limit at uh, Maryland Live in November, and he says we were seven-handed, and I'm the out-of-towner while the others all seem to be regulars. I hadn't been playing long, but the table seemed to be full of calling stations who like to see flops. Most hands had two to four players to the flop. Um, a player two to my right had the biggest stack at the table, and I'd just seen him check call a hand all the way to the river with an ace rag. Uh, to lose a decent-sized pot. Wow. Uh, I was on the button, and he said the big stack guy to the standard pre-flop raise to $10, and it folds to us. And we have a uh, king-8 offsuit. Well, it's very interesting because you have position, and I always think of Jamie Gold. 
on the high stakes poker show, getting ready to leave, trying to leave, trying to get out. But then it was his button. And he's like, I got to play my button before I go. I mean, you just have to play your button. And so the reason he's doing that is not because he's hoping for ace-ace. He's hoping to outplay somebody because he's got position and he's not playing the cards. He's playing the player. So we mentioned this a lot on the show. And I'm thinking, hey, you know, you're on the button. King-8 is horrible. It's a horrible, horrible hand. And it's offsuit on top of it, which, you know, if it was suited, Scott would have liked it back in the day. But today, he knows that's a terrible hand now. So... I'm thinking, why are we calling with that unless we are of of the caliber of player that it doesn't matter what we have in our hand? If it matters that we have king eight in our hand, then we fold it. If it doesn't matter and we know this player that we're up against that we're probably going to be isolated with, then we might call or even re-raise because we think he might fold or that he might check to us after the flop and we can take it down. There's a lot that goes into this, so... From a standard ABC, you just learned how to play poker, or you want to hear what we have to say about playing King 8, fold it every day and twice on Sunday. Yep. If you're like, hey, this big stack guy is a calling station because he check-called the whole way down to the river with Ace Rag, then you, if you hit something, you might get some money out of this guy because he seems to be someone who can't fold, and you'll probably win with any hand. But uh, generally, you're getting rid of this. So in this situation, if I really know this guy, I might just pop it again, make sure the blinds go out, and take it down now, or get this guy in a situation where I'm in position the whole way, and I can control the betting that how much I want him to call because he's going to call me the whole way. So it really just depends. Uh, I'm, I'm almost always folding this hand, even on the button. Um, but if I feel confident in my ability to outplay people, then I'm going to either pop it or call. I have literally nothing I can add to that, Chris. That All was- right. Absolutely perfect. Uh, just to reiterate, ABC, you should be folding this. But you gave some really good points about how uh, even not knowing this player more than just what we know about him, uh, there is a, an opportunity here to to profit off of him. So, cool. so yeah, um, again, I, I, normally I would fold here. Let's take the argument. Let's call here. I'm not so sure about raising. I like I like where you're going with that because you, you, you don't want to have multiple people in this hand. I mean, we have the one guy that we know. But the other, you know, the the two blinds we don't know right. um, how much how they play. So, so yeah, you're you're probably taking a risk calling and driving them out. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you could go either way. Yeah. All right. Uh, here says I had bought in for a 140 and was up to about 200. He says I wanted to get into a hand with this guy and I like to play my button, so I decided to call. Uh, big blind also called, so three to a flop with about 25 bucks in the pot. So right there, he gives you a little insight, too. Todd likes to play the button, so that means he thinks he's good at it and that he's effective at it because you don't like to do it if you suck at it. So he obviously thinks that he's he's well-suited to play the button. So the king eight probably doesn't even have to play, so I don't mind calling. It's just if, you know, the big blind now is in the hand. So he hits some rag, and then you, you know what I mean? But obviously he's not going to stick around too long because we didn't categorize him as the villain. So... He's probably not going to affect in this hand. But, yeah, I could see like a min-raise or something or just a little bit of a raise to ensure that you're going to be with this one player you want to isolate. But I think we got a good enough, at least a small blind folded. Yeah, yeah. So three-hand is not bad. Right. We're in position. And, yeah, so, I mean, uh, I, I think we're, we're in a good spot in this hand right now. So. Yeah, I agree. All right, the flop comes the king, six, tray, rainbow. And big blind checks. Our big stack guy bets 15, and now it's on us. Huh. Well, 
this is where you worry because it's so funny to say this, but King Eight is a trap hand here. <laughs> you, had, you had somebody raise in an earlier position, and now they're betting the king. I mean, generally you raise with Ace King or King Queen when you're early. Even King Queen's a trap hand, obviously, but uh, King Eight is like a major trap hand. So now, what, what if the guy has you crushed with Ace King or King Queen or King Jack or something, and now you have to hit two pair and get a better kicker, or or you have to hit your own two pair? Um, and so I don't like I don't like that. But uh, I'm going to call this guy, which is funny because we're going to probably end up being in the calling station here because this guy bet out. Um, I don't think we need to raise i think the big blind's going to go away after this and uh we're going to be isolated and half position with a pair of kings but gotta hate that kicker you have and gotta hate that he bet out if he was a calling station it just seems odd that all of a sudden he's aggressive raising and betting you know most calling stations kind of wait for someone to raise or they just call the blinds and then they check call check call this guy is raised and bet out so he's kind of belying what he was you know uh, uh targeted as so um I'm just going to call. Um, all right. I, I'm going to disagree here. I think I'm going to raise here. So I know we got in, and here's the problem, is we got in with a bad hand, and we, we mentioned why it was okay to get in with a bad hand, right? Uh, but now we hit our king, and you're right. I mean, the kicker problems are what we're worried about here. Um, but it doesn't seem like any other part of this um, flop would have hit anybody that we need to worry about. So at this point, I guess I just want to narrow down whether we really are up against another king. Um, cause we could just as easily be up against Queens, Jacks, tens, anything like that. Right. So, and you got a C bet here. So his C bet doesn't tell me anything. I don't think, um, really would like to get this big blind to, um, wait to the next hand. <laughs> right? right. Uh, and then I want to find out. So if we raise it here and get popped again, I think I could probably feel pretty confident in getting out of this. Uh, but he's the calling station. So I don't think he's going to. So, you know, I mean, it's almost like we're, we're raising here to get a free card. Um, so we could check behind on the turn if we want to, um, and give us two chances to hit that eight. Um, so, I mean, bet 15, a little bit more than half the pot's the right bet. Um, I don't know. I think I might put 30 on top of this. Okay. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I, it's, it's just, I, you know, he talked about how we have kicker problems and I'd hate to blow the pot because let's say we, we win, raise it or make it 30 more or whatever. And the guy calls. Then on the turn, it's a rag, and then he decides to bet out, you know, like 20. We're not going to fold for 20. And then on the turn river, we miss, but it still looks innocuous, and we're like, all right, we have a pair of kings, and now this guy bets 40, and you're like, all right, you know. So now you're looking at like 60, and if you raise it, now you're making the pot bigger, so his bets are going to be bigger. And I just would like to control the size of this pot, and I think also by calling, it might look like we're floating, and he might have queens and might not believe us. So when we now bet the turn when he checks to us, you know, it might look like we're trying to steal the pot and he might get him to check call and check call again. And we win with kings over his queens or something. So I just, I don't know. I, I like the idea of keeping the pot a little bit smallish because we have kicker problems. But I like raising now before the pot is so big where we can afford a raise where it might be effective. It might get him to check to us on the turn. And then maybe control the pot and check behind, and then only have one bet to worry about in the river. I don't know. There's a lot of paths you can go. Um, yeah. so, so how about this one? How about a min raise? I generally don't like min raises because I think it's weak. But if our goal here, our goal here is a couple things, right? One, we want to get this big blind out of this. So now the big blind is facing thirty dollars rather than fifteen. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I was going to make it 45, but now it's, you know, it's 32 of them. So that, that's fairly significant for them to want to get out of this pot, I think, unless they have something, right? So that, that would accomplish that. And really, we're just trying, it's a probing bet. We're just trying to find out whether we're really up against an ace, king, king, queen, one of those kind of hands, right? right. So, and if we get raised, then, then we can get out, right? So now we've got out for the minimum. So, and if not, if we just get called, there's probably still a decent chance that he's going to check that turn. And that was my goal. My goal was to get two bites of the apple for my eight, the right. my two pair. So, um, and then there's always that why so small argument, right? So maybe it throws him down to someone like someone. I'm sitting on a set of sixes, a set of trays here, and I want you to call. So I don't know. I, mean, I think this might be one of those rare situations where min raise actually works. Okay, I'll, I'll. You know what? I'll be on board with this. If he does raise, then you know we can get out. But at the same time, I mean, we are throwing an extra fifteen in there that we didn't have to if he bets the turn because we could fold then maybe. But I agree with you. I think we'll get the big blind out. That'll be effective. He may have gone out for the fifteen, but we probably know he's going to go out for the thirty. And then if the guy doesn't pop us, then he's got some speculation that you know he's wondering if we're, you know strong because if he was stronger than just a king then he would pop it more and so if he doesn't you have to decide is he being tricky or is he weak so you might get some information from yours you won't get any from mine so i agree with you let's min rise all right our hero said i sensed this guy was throwing a stack around so i decided to re-raise and bump it to 30 big blind folds but the big stack calls to my surprise and chagrin by the way chagrin is one of my favorite words too (laughs) Pot is now 85, so uh, so I guess he did what we said, right? Bumped it to 30. That's yeah. a win raise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, effectively, we got the big blind out, which is what we mentioned, and um, we didn't get re-raised, so fairly confident now that if he doesn't have a strong king, maybe. Uh, well, now we'll see what happens if he checks this turn. Now we've got a couple options, I think, so... It's funny because if he had a strong king, I don't know if necessarily if he would pop us again because he might be, you know, cautious here, thinking that we limped in with pocket sixes or pocket trays and we're just trying to get value for our set, you know. So he might be a little concerned that we've hit something that was unexpected, and so he doesn't want to just say automatically shove with ace king, you know. He might, he might be a little hesitant he might have jacks or something and now he's like all right do you really have a king why are you min raising you trying to get a free card out of this you know because you have four or five or something who knows but um yeah i'd, I'd be int- i don't know how would you play it if you had ace king there and you were him would you re- raise again no i think you make a good point that now now you've switched around i mean we were trying to play our position to like represent that hand and so now i mean there's kind of like a reverse walk in the dog here, right? Um, now, of course, we don't know what the button has. We send their ace king, but it's a reasonable assumption that they're using the position just to push us off, knowing that we hit the seabed, right? right. So, um, so by simply calling, we don't tip our hand, or we we induce another bet on the turn, right? Um, now, it's just a matter of you know how stone cold ice in your veins you are, that because it's still just a one pair hand, right? So. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, it's rainbow though, so you don't have to worry about. There's not a lot of you have to worry about being caught up. Uh, there's no straights that I don't think I need to worry about. I mean, I don't, possible somebody sitting with four or five here, but 
I mean, there's not a lot of danger to come here if you have Ace King, I don't think. So yeah. I mean, maybe the right way is to just call and, and sort of add some confusion as to what's going on, right? I like the reverse walking the dog. It's like wag the dog, you know? That's pretty funny. <laughs> I had a mental picture of like walking the dog backwards or something, you know, yeah. at the park. Walking. Yep. That's hilarious. All right. All right. So we agree we're, we're probably going to min raise, and the other guy's probably just going to call, is what we think is going to happen. Yeah. All right. All right. Pot's $85. The turn is a 10 that completes the rainbow. So it's king, six, tray, 10. And now our opponent checks to us. Okay. Well, we like the check. We think he's, because uh, if, if he had a big hand, he might have popped us. And when he didn't, why does he not bet out when it's a complete rainbow and safe? Why is he now worried? So um, he he's worried we have something that beats him. So he wants to let us control uh, the hand. So I'm comfortable betting a little bit here. Uh, I'd like to check behind just to control the pot size. But then if he makes a big bet on the end and I didn't make two paired, am I going to make that call? Whereas now I could probably make a smallish bet and maybe get him to fold. And if he doesn't fold, then he might check this again in the river, and then we check. So I don't mind a smallish bet, 35 maybe. Yeah, I think um, I, I mentioned uh, the uh, check to get a free card thing, but I think circumstances have changed now. I think if we take the free card here, obviously you take it because you're hoping to hit that eight. Um, but but I think we're giving up too much control there and putting too much faith in hitting that, that three-outer. Um, at this point, we've taken control of the hand, you know, we raised raised him. Uh, he now checks to us. I think we got to keep betting here and give ourselves two ways of winning this pot, either by just having to give up or, or hitting that eight. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what the bet is here. I mean, I might go as much as 40, somewhere between 30 and 40, I think is probably the bet here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I don't want to give him the chance to, like, bluff at us on the river. I mean, not saying that if we bet here that he can't still bluff us the river, but if we check here, I, I think any reasonable player, I think, is going to make that bet on the river, and then we're going to have to decide whether it's worth it or not. Right? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Eric says, I don't think he has a king, and the only thing that he could be chasing would be a random 4 or 5, so I decide to bet 40. Uh, to my surprise, and chagrin again, <laughs> he calls. Says, now I'm worried I've walked into a king with a better kicker and decided to check the river and cut my losses. Pot is, pot is 165, and lo and behold, the river is an 8. So our final board is king, 6, trade, 10-8, and our opponent checks to us. Well, we like to check because, let's face it, if the guy had us crushed, we just re-crushed him. He doesn't have a set of kings. He doesn't, we don't think he does. We don't have, he doesn't have a set of sixes or a set of trays. The only thing we're worried about is king, 10, but he wouldn't have checked king, 10, and he wouldn't have just called 40 with king, 10. <laughs> Yeah. So I think we're we're winning. We may have gotten lucky here, but uh, I'm definitely going to bet you know a third of the pot. So fifty five dollars, fifty something like that. Yeah, fifty. Fifty sounds perfect to me. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mathematically, but you know when I'm counting out checks, fifty seems. Yeah, yeah. Seems right. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's a value bet at this point, and and uh, a decent size, a smallish size bet there should get should get a call and should get us some more money here. I. I'm 80, 90% confident we've got the best hand here. Oh, yeah. 90. Oh, yeah. Well, now we're hoping he has ace-king and can't, can't put it, yeah. throw it away. Um, all right. Our hero says with two pair, I decide I can't check, so I go for a value bet of 55. 
he immediately calls. I show my king eight, and he winces and tosses his cards into the muck. A few hands later, I asked him if he had me into the river. He said he had me dominated, but I'm not sure I believed him. Uh, was I bailed out by the river, or did I have him pegged as a calling station? Well, here's what I will say. Um, I believe him. Uh, I think anybody who raises free flop generally doesn't have uh, crap. Also, also, I mean, earlier we talked about he check-called all the way down with ace-rag, so you'd have to show your ace-rag if you're check-calling. So the the better would have to show a hand first, which means he was ha- happy to show ace-rag and lose. So if that's the case, why didn't he show his hand as a being just a calling station hand? I, I, I think he had you beat. I think he had king-queen or ace-king, and uh, you spooked him with your min-raise. And so he's like, all right, well, I've got top pair, top kicker. I'm just going to call this guy down now because that's my, you know, my fallback. And uh, nothing really scared him. It went rainbow the whole way. The straights didn't get there unless you had 7-9, which is bizarre. Um, so I think he thought he was safe, but he didn't want to get crazy and lose to a set of sixes or a set of trays. And uh, I think you sucked out on him. I think you had a three-outer and you got it. And uh, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah, if I'm on the prices right, I'm going all in on King Queen or King Jack. Yeah, uh, yeah. fairly certain that is one of those two hands that. I mean, those are hands that this kind of player would raise with. I mean, most people wouldn't, but it's calling stations tend to also not raise with the proper hands, right? So, raise with that. He hits the king. He keeps it up. We raise. He's a little worried about his kicker. Calls. Um, 10 comes, doesn't really help, he checks, you know, we bet again, he calls, and and then at that point, he's just, he he wants to see it, right? right. I mean, how many times we say, hey, I gotta see it, and you throw that money in. Yeah. And anytime you say, I gotta see it, you almost never win, um, but you always see it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's why I think he wins, because I think you picked him at the end, right? Because, I mean, how many times has that happened to us? You know, we get into these little passive battles and that's what this was this entire thing was passive there was very little aggression in this hand even though there were raises right and at the end it just happened that you know you you hit that eight so uh, do you do you think that it's king queen or king jack because if he had ace king he would have maybe popped us again when we when we raised the flop well i don't know the way you described the wincing and the tossing i think to me i guess i'm just assuming that he thought he was getting away with something here without ace king right he thought he had just a good enough king to win this, and and then he sees that at, at eight pipkiss. Very well could be ace king as well too, I uh-huh. guess. But uh-huh. I think ace king he would have again. It's calling stations. Maybe not. I mean, maybe you know once you get raised, you just slow down. But I would think an ace king would be a little more aggressive at some point in this hand. Me too. I do. That's I mean, fun. again, I, I I we were talking about the min raise spoofing him, so maybe that's what it was that he had ace king and got spoofed. But I feel like you could also min raise again there. You know, with fifteen more dollars or whatever it is, and then you know, try to get your point across. Yeah, I'm. I still feel like I'm strong here. I want to find out if you have a sixes or trays. You know, and and he didn't do that, so maybe it is king queen. You probably you might be right there, but we'll never know. Yeah, so maybe the, yeah. So maybe if you give me five betting chips, I'm putting two on king queen, two on king jack, and one on ace king. There you go. Wow, man, you are you are really like your DNA. Your DNA is like awesome for betting. I mean, that's. <laughs> You're just a natural gambler, aren't you? You make all your points with gambling, you know, analogies. It's hilarious. Hey, Todd, thanks for sending a hand and keeping the show going for another week. Right? 
We, we, yeah. we, that's what he said. He didn't want the show to go down without, so we use his hand and we survive another week. We appreciate it. Get it going. <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. Yeah, I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.